from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It's the second hour of the show. We're having a great show. We were just blessed with so much great stuff to talk about today. I hope you guys are having fun. We're having a lot of fun here. I'm your host, Jake Scorheim. I got Matt Butler here hanging out. Hey, good to be here. Welcome, Matt. Uh, all right, so this is the news roundup. This is where we look back on all the other shows, see what they were talking about, and then you and I can just kind of hash it out, find out where they went wrong, whatever. <laughs> but first, we got the trivia clip. A lot of you got this when we played it earlier. This one to me is... Again, like these feel like low-hanging fruit, but I am surprised at the amount of people who don't get it. We get a lot of people who get it, but the amount of people who don't get it, I'm surprised by. But Matt, I'm going to play it for you, let you take a guess. You ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Now, y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're going to be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're going to be doing one thing and one thing only killing nazis all right so can you guess the act i'm gonna start with i the know actor. i know that's brad pitt okay and brad i know pitt. the movie and i'm forgetting the title and it's the bugging name. me all right i'm gonna give you the director okay slash writer okay slash producer okay quentin tarantino inglorious bastards bingo boom yeah no you got it good job and so many of you on the text line got it as well i think we have a lot of quentin tarantino fans in the audience i think we do which makes sense because he has a lot of fans everywhere good taste though we did he's got oh my gosh yeah he's great uh we just did the other day we played a clip from pulp fiction and a lot of folks like that so i figured i would uh, follow it up with this one i love that movie that was a really good one i enjoyed it now a lot now he did have this fictional ending to the movie. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, so I won't if you haven't seen the movie yet. But he does something at the end of the movie that did not happen in real life. Yeah. Now, the movie is an historical fiction, right? right? So it's like based off of semi kind of real so events. So it's based in history, but then takes creative license from there. Do you have a favorite? This is not what we plan on talking about. We can do this for a second. Yeah. It's, you know, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Do you have a favorite Tarantino movie? Ooh. <sighs> you know... It's very close between Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs is one I haven't seen in a long time. I love that movie, and I got to see it screened in a little small artisan theater. That is a really good movie. I, mm, That's tough. It's a tough one. I'd I'd put them, like, tied at first for me. You know, to me, it's between Inglourious Bastards, which I just absolutely love, and another movie that's set in kind of a historical real uh, period, uh, a real historical story, but yeah. he takes some license with the ending, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Which Love is just one. one of those movies that has such a satisfying, <laughs> because what he does at the end of that movie, the same thing he does at the end of Inglorious Bastards, he ends the movie the way that we were all hoping that that piece of history would end. Yeah. So at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, again, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but they are able to do something to some bad people that you wish would have happened to them in real life. And the detail the detail and historical accuracy in that film, too, like right down to the jingles used from KHJ in Los Angeles, the radio detail and the songs, he puts so much attention into soundtracks, which is a music guy I love. Yeah, and he's obs- he's obsessed with that. Like, have you ever heard him talk about oh, yeah, yeah. just the minutiae? Also, you know, being a guy from L.A. that he was, he remembers what that time period looked like. Mm-hmm. I saw that movie with my dad, actually. We all watched it at my brother's bachelor party. Yeah. And it was just one of those, like, perfect, a room full of guys movie. We're all up in Leavenworth. We're doing my brother's bachelor party. We're there for the weekend. 
and we are, we're, you know, it's, it's, it's night. We've just come back from like, I don't know, we went out and got a steak dinner somewhere. So we come back and we're all having some drinks and we're like, all right, what should we do now? Play some pool, chill out. We're at a VRBO. And we're like, let's watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Cause my dad yeah. hadn't seen it yet. And a couple other, the, a couple other, the people hadn't seen it yet. And it is a perfect bachelor party movie. Indeed. It's so fantastic. But my dad who grew up in LA in that time period, like in the sixties, yeah. he's just like, this is it. This is exactly Take, what it looked like. Took him exactly back to that point in time. Completely, like down to the streets, and he's he's watching. It. He's like, "How did they do this? Like, how do they take these scenes where Brad Pitt is driving down the road in some cool old fashioned nineteen sixties car? He's driving onto the set of these movie studios. He's driving down Sunset Strip. He's listening to the mamas and the papas. But the things that Quentin, Tar- Quentin Tarantino and his team create in the backdrop that that's not even really a part of the movie. It's just scenery that he's driving by." Mm-hmm is the place where my dad grew up and he's wow. just like how did they nail it every single thing is perfect and that's incredible. just the, it, it is yeah. incredible it's so good such a gift all right so uh great job a lot of you and the listeners got it too you guys can text me the answers at 888-97-35476 well done but now let's move on seattle's morning moves, news not moves dave ross and <laughs> this uh was talking about the senate hearing about social media's negative impact on kids this is a really Good. It's not just a good topic. I think it's an important topic. So let's hear about it. Today's Senate hearing was clear. Social media is well past its incubation period and needs to be regulated the way broadcasters are. The original social media business model was genius. Get ordinary people to create content for free, sell ads, give the content creators a cut. But as YouTube discovered early on, what people wanted to post and wanted to see included a lot of porn and violence and nasty gossip and dangerous, stupid human tricks. Yes, uplifting and charming cat videos, too, but way too much of the other stuff. And the algorithms, which were designed to feed viewers more of whatever they clicked on, amplified the garbage as well as the gold. With so many contributors, there was no way to do what regular broadcasters do, which is vet the people who supply your content, preview what's broadcast, and exercise that control in real time. And that's how the trouble started. Now, our show, Seattle's Morning News, is controlled by a company with people you can contact and complain to. Our employers know who we are. Colleen and Chris and I are bound to standards set out in our employment contracts, organizations regulated by the FCC. And even with all that, we also operate with a delay, just in case. Social media platforms, however, can just sit back as people they don't know post stuff they don't preview and are not legally responsible for because they're not considered broadcasters. Like gun manufacturers, they can't be sued for the consequences of their products, even though their audiences, which are in the billions, far surpass traditional broadcasters, except maybe on Super Bowl Sunday. But yesterday in the Senate, it was clear that a critical mass of senators has come to the conclusion that the Cost of this hands-off approach has been far too high. Republican Senator Joe Kennedy. We're also down to this fact that your platforms are hurting children. I'm not saying they're not doing some good things, but they're hurting children. And I know how to count votes. And if this bill comes to the floor of the United States Senate, it will pass. What was interesting about this, I don't know if you saw any of these hearings. I saw a little bit of it, yeah. So Mark Zuckerberg is sitting up there. He's in front of you know all these different senators. And Senator Josh Hawley gets up. And he was questioning Zuckerberg about something that he had just said in his statement. Zuckerberg made a statement essentially saying that, actually, I have the clip right here. I can play the clip for you. What Zuckerberg was trying to say was that he has done research, that Facebook and Meta, he owns Meta, I guess it's called Meta now. They've done research, and what they have shown is that there is no definitive link between 
mental health and uh, uh, teen mental health and social media, which I think is ridiculous. I'm just anecdotally, we all know that's not the case. And cigarette companies did studies that show that smoking was not unhealthy either. That's right. Yeah. In fact, it's good for you. <laughs> exactly. It helps your nerves. All right. So this is Zuckerberg in front of uh, the Senate. With so much of our lives spent on mobile devices and social media, it's important to look into the effects on teen mental health and well-being. I take this very seriously. Mental health is a complex issue, and the existing body of scientific work has not shown a causal link between using social media and young people having worse mental health outcomes. So for him to say that was a big surprise to a lot of folks. And so Senator Hawley pressed him on that, and he says, actually, I have a study here from a little company called Instagram, which is owned by Mark Zuckerberg, which says it's hurting kids. Mr. Zuckerberg, let me start with you. Did I hear you say in your opening statement that there's no link between mental health and social media use? Senator, what I said is I think it's important to look at the science. I know it's people widely talk about this as if that is something that's already been proven. And I think that the bulk of the scientific evidence does not support that. Well, really, let let me just remind you of some of the science from your own company. Instagram studied the effect of your platform on teenagers. Let me just read you some quotes from the Wall Street Journal's report on this. Company researchers found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of teenagers, most notably teenage girls. Here's a quote from your own study. Quote, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Here's another quote. Teens blamed Instagram. This is your study for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. This reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. That's your study. Senator, we try to under, understand the uh, the feedback and, and how people feel about the services. We can improve. Wait a minute. Them. Your, own, da- your are- own study says that you make life worse for one in three teenage girls, you increase anxiety and depression. That's what it says. And you're here testifying to us in public that there's no link. You've been doing this for years. You know, what's really interesting about that is I think we all know that social media is a incredibly dangerous thing for kids. We all agree on that. And the nice thing is, I mean, if there is a silver lining to social media being bad for kids, it has joined people who disagree about a lot of things. You're sitting there looking at a panel of senators who are from both sides of the aisle, mm-hmm. and they are all looking at these tech CEOs going like, hey, right now, it's us versus you. Yeah. All of us up here, we as all you know, Americans, we all understand that social media is very dangerous for kids. Maybe one of the few bipartisan issues left. It's like the only bipartisan issue left. All right, that's very interesting. All right, let's move on. G and Ursula, uh, let's see. Which one do you want to do? We got we got time for two more, I think. G and Ursula, Jack and Spike. Uh, let's do G and Ursula. All right, the Seahawks named new head coach, Mike McDonald. Let's hear about it. I don't know how anybody knows whether he's going to be a great coach yet. Here's what we know. He's a great coordinator. He did a phenomenal job. This past year with the ball. And this is Mike Salk from, of course, you have uh, 710 Seattle Sports talking with Gene Ursula. Baltimore Ravens. They had the best defense in the league by a large margin. Not only that, but he did it with a, some unknown names and some guys that he sort of found on the street and made them better. He did it against the best teams in the league. He shut them down and he did it against the other teams in the NFC West that the Seahawks are going to have to battle with for the future. The Rams and the Niners. He shut both of those teams down in addition to curb stomping the Seahawks I and mean, they just destroyed them. Absolutely blew their door 
doors off. I mean, it was truth, but you didn't have to bring that up. Sorry. <laughs> well, it was bad. It, it, it was see, bad. Seahawks only scored three points. It was bad. <laughs> so we know he's a really, really good coordinator. Okay. But you guys work in news. Yes, okay. You, know, I, about, you know about the Peter Principle, right? Well, I want to ask you a couple of of okay. questions and, and, and thoughts and maybe concerns that I have. Okay. Uh, first of all, his relative youth. He is now the youngest. 36 uh, years yeah, old. The youngest football coach. And he just a mere 10 years ago was like an intern. Yeah. And he's never actually been head coach. Is that an issue? The first one, they're two separate things. I think the youth is not, I would not hold that against him at all. I think what we have found in the NFL and in other sports as well is that generally when you get these outliers, yeah. these guys that get hired so young, there's a good reason why. They impress everyone so much. They are so dynamic that it shines through in that interview process. Sean McVay in Los Angeles with the Rams is a great example. So he mentioned Sean McVay there. Sean McVay, I think, was 31 when he really? was hired to become the Rams, the L.A. Rams head coach as an NFL football 31 team. 31 years old. Can you imagine that? I can't. No. I mean, even this guy's 36. And when you think about the leadership skills that somebody needs to have at that age, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And... I was talking about somebody else with this uh, just a little bit ago, Steve Coogan on My Northwest. Yeah. He was saying it's interesting that this guy's 36. He's literally half the age of Pete Carroll. Exactly Pete Carroll's 72 years old. Yeah. And so we go from the oldest coach to the youngest coach. I hope they have great success. I just want the Seahawks to be so good again. And the Seahawks were at their best, like their historically very, very best when we had the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Which was when the team was all about defense. So hopefully we got uh, some good things coming for the Seahawks. Fingers crossed. All right, so uh, Jack and Spike, if you notice your taxes increasing this year, you may be surprised at who's to blame. So Paul Ryan was the champion of the Donald Trump tax cuts. So in 2012 is when he really started pushing this idea of a new tax structure. And he tried for years to get it through, and it never went through. And then thankfully, uh, Donald Trump became president of the United States. And so they signed it into law in 2017. That's when they had both branches, right? Yes. And, And the White House. Yes. And unfortunately, nobody read the fine print because in that bill, there is a scale that slides back because there's a difference between mandatory and discretionary spending. Okay. Mandatory spending, it's in law. Nobody votes on it. Discretionary spending at the federal level, they vote on it about every year, two years, five years. Yeah, do we need it? Do we not need it on a case-by-case, time-sensitive basis? So Paul Ryan, the genius that he was, he figured out that in order to give the richest people tax cuts, people making over $400,000 a year, they had to offset that tax burden on the rest of Americans. And in order to get it passed through, they had to create a sliding scale where every year that tax burden was pushed back lower down the economic chain. Doesn't affect anybody who makes less than 250. Right. But the percentage of which would drop. So does that make sense? So it's next year it's nobody making under 200. Exactly. Next exactly. year it's nobody making under 150. Exactly. I see where you're going here. And so now 7 years later we're at the end of that ladder and so that's why people who are making under $75,000 a year are now getting their percentage that they owe the federal government which is why so many people are now owing Instead of getting a return. So the takeaway here is for folks who do their taxes themselves, might be worthwhile to seek some professional yeah, for, guidance get a CPA, this year. Get a CPA. I would be the way that I would do you it know, personally. The reason that these taxes work the way they do is because everyone takes advantage of the various loopholes or deductions that you can that provided for. And and most people like Casey Lynn here do their own. It's pretty simple. But now there's might be might cost you money. 
I have two thoughts about this. One, they sound very well informed, very well read on this. Yeah. And I couldn't care less about taxes. <laughs> the thing I think, the interesting takeaway that I took from it is, yeah. we often talk about, you know, being in the middle or bipartisan or how politicians are. And it's interesting to see how both parties can bear responsibility for raising your taxes. You know what my big takeaway from this is? What? There are things that you can do to save money on yeah. your taxes. And I am doing that in my house. I have Good. four kids. Daddy's little Get tax those deductions. deductions. Yes. Absolutely. Child tax credits. My right little on. offsets running around. There you uh, go. The do you have a CPA to it or do you do your own? I have a CPA. Okay. Yeah. Just it's, it helps from a business perspective. I just, you know, CPAs know what they're doing. Yeah. They know what they're doing. It's worth and the it's money. it's constantly changing law. So change better for the them time. to keep up with it than you. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm not a tax guy. There you go. All right. John and Sherry, auto theft is already a major problem. And now look at what they're stealing. What? From the Walmart parking lot, Sherry, this happened, and apparently the stolen horse and buggy crashed. <laughs> they didn't actually crash. Can we just put that in there? They yeah, cr- I was just predicting what might But I didn't happen. read the joke ahead of time. I'm heading into it like it wasn't I'm a joke. Pre-read. Yo, mama. <laughs> pre-read. <laughs> like Sherry What's doesn't that? pre-read the quiz either. Okay. Yeah, so they stole the horse and buggy. I assume at this point no one has found the horse and buggy, right? No, not true. No, oh, it's, a, it's, oh, it's a happy ending. Maybe I should ending. have pre-read. Yeah, uh, they were at a Walmart parking lot, and a trucker, not one of the 700,000, I guess, <laughs> headed to Texas, happened to spot this woman over by the horse and buggy. And they he called the police, gave a description, and they found her about two miles away and she was i guess still in the horse and buggy and into the go very fast so it's like not that tough to catch um, but it has the that particular town in michigan has the sixth largest amish population in the country so horse and buggies at the walmart aren't like a really rare thing All right and you tie them up and you go in and then you come back out and your horse and buggy's gone what that lady thinks she's gonna she had to be drunk there's no no other reason. Like, oh, there's a horse. I'm gonna get behind the get the horse, get in the buggy, and then whoops, take off with the horse and buggy. Like, we're well, gonna get the thing, bring it home. Like, what's that? Oh, uh, yeah, I got it at Walmart. I mean, the person had to be inebriated have, or something, don't, right? Don't you have to have a little training to engineer a horse and buggy? I mean, I don't think the horse knows where it's going. So, how are you gonna direct it? I think the no, I don't think there's a lot to it. You get in there, you do the. Whoops, and then you snap the reins and then the horse just goes and you can move right and left. And eh, it's not that hard. It's not like it's got a clutch in a. <laughs> huh? But if you're drunk, I mean, I'm just I assuming know. I don't want to disparage this woman. OK, all right. I, I don't want to say know. bad about her. My, my takeaway from the story is it doesn't sound like John has a ton of experience on horses. Yeah. <laughs> Took him a while to come up with reins. I yeah. thought that was pretty funny. That's really crazy, though, that somebody just stole a horse and buggy. Yeah, but I mean, it, it doesn't seem like an effective thing to steal. At least if you're stealing like real autos or car parts, you can fence them. This is so obvious. How do you fence a horse? Well, Everybody is going to be looking for the horse. You're going to need to feed it. You're gonna, it's becomes it's a, a pet. headache. Yeah, it's a real headache. You can't get rid of that very quickly. And, you know, it's tough to make a getaway on a horse. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's News Roundup. Great News Roundup today, Matt. Well Thanks. done. All right. We have a lot more coming up on the show. If you haven't downloaded the podcast yet, please go and do so. We sure do appreciate when you do. Find Kyra Knights with Jake Scorheim wherever podcasts are sold. This one's for free. Hit that follow button. We love that when you do that. All right, we got a lot more coming up. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Kyra Knights.
You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. We have a very special guest on with us right now. He is the lead editor at My Northwest, Steve Coogan. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back, Jake. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. So uh, to our listeners out there, if you guys are just tuning in for the first time, in this segment, what we like to do is we like to chat with Steve about what you guys are actually clicking on. Over at MyNorthwest.com, they load hundreds of stories. They write hundreds of stories every single week. We put up all this material, all this stuff. Content is the word that a lot of people use, although that seems to take away a little bit from it, I think. Anyway, we have all this content on MyNorthwest.com, and then you guys have the option of just clicking on it. It's not obligatory. It's because you're actually interested in the stories. We try to deliver what we think you might be interested in here on the radio, but I don't know. Sometimes we miss the mark. But on MyNorthwest.com, you guys are actually clicking on this. So here's the top three stories that you guys have clicked on on MyNorthwest.com. Steve, what's the number three? All right. Headline number three, Seattle Seahawks hire Mike McDonald as new head coach. All right. So this was really exciting. Obviously, everybody was wondering who this, uh, who the, it, I, it was kind of like, um, not the, what's it, Russian, it's not Russian roulette. <laughs> what it, it was like this excitement because somebody was going to get chosen. There was all these coaches out there. They weren't sure who it was going to be. Ben Johnson was one of those names. He's the offensive coordinator for the uh, Detroit Lions, I believe. That's correct. Mike McDonald, he is the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, That's or right. was. That's right. And now he's the head coach for the Seattle Seahawks. He just signed a six-year deal, which is pretty lengthy, right? Six that's years? Right. Yeah, that does seem particularly lengthy. Is yeah. that is that? I don't know if that's common. But I, is it, it doesn't feel that common. I feel like you're more likely to see four or five year deals. But uh, yeah, he got six, and he's a young coach. A lot of folks were talking about. Are the Seahawks going to go? Another name that they were talking about a lot was Dan Quinn. He is the former defensive coordinator under Pete Carroll for the Seahawks. He then went off to do his own head coaching job. I think he went to the Falcons originally. That's correct. That didn't work out, and then he went to the Cowboys. Where, yeah, so he was their defensive coordinator. He's last their year. defensive coordinator. That's now. correct. Uh, and then, or he the was co- their defensive coordinator. Now he's the Washington Commanders head coach. Now he's the Commanders head coach. Right. Okay. That's, that's where so he, that's where he is now. The conversation was: Is it going to be Dan Quinn, kind of a continuation of the Pete Carroll era, or did the Seahawks go and just try to totally rewrite things, find somebody young, find somebody fresh? And they have now found that person, Mike they McDonald. They found somebody young and somebody fresh. Mike McDonald is going to be the youngest head coach in the NFL next season. Pretty great. Yeah, so 30, he's thirty-six years 36 old. Thirty-six years old. And what's interesting is that they the second highest, or the second youngest head coach was just hired a few weeks ago. That's the New England Patriots hiring Gerard Mayo, and now Mike McDonald is going to be the guy. And he's it's interesting because we went from having the oldest coach in the NFL <laughs> right, right. to now the youngest because, coach in the NFL. Yeah, literally half the half Pete half of Pete Carroll's age. So seventy-two I'm, year old to a thirty-six year old. I am. Oh, you're right. That's funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah, right. People are really excited about it. I was talking to some of my friends over at 710 Seattle Sports. Yep. And they, I was talking to, I was talking to uh, Bob from the Bob and Wyman show. Right on. I was actually talking to him as we were both standing at the urinals in the bathroom. <laughs> and that's where I get all my sports information. Yeah, of, of course. Where else would you get it? See, the, the water cooler or the urinal, right? We, One or the other. We should start recording those conversations and uh, just like tiny little blips. I think of, we've got a podcast idea here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the uh, all the extra noise in there probably wouldn't be worth oh, playing that's a over good there. Point. Right, right, there might right, be right, some yeah. FCC violation or something. But uh, <laughs> Bob was saying he thinks he's going to be great. He's very excited about him. Thinks he's a. I mean, 
obviously they did very well the Ravens this year. So yeah, he, and they had one of the they had the best defense in the league last year. And like a lot of a lot of uh, you know folks are going to say that you know just in terms of the, the the number of yards they gave up, the number of sacks they had. A lot of people were excited to play in his defense. Yes, and, uh, and I think a lot there's some there's some rumors that uh, some players might be interested in making the jump across the country to come play in Seattle. So. You know, it's early. The season hasn't even ended yet, so we can't See, talk for agency yet. But there's, already, but there's some interest, though. I'm already getting excited about yeah, him. There you because go. It's like the Seahawks were never more successful than when they had this amazing defense, right? The Legion of Boom. The Legion of Boom, right? And now Absolutely. they're focusing again on defense. They have this amazing, good defensive coordinator. Now the head coach. And if he can bring in some talent, that would be great. Yeah, that'd be a, yeah, that'd be true. Yeah, because you know the Seahawks are kind of middle of the road right now. It's no, no it's, it's, no way to no other way to put it. They didn't make the playoffs this past season, so but if they, they can, get they can game, be great. Yes, absolutely. Get back they've, they've got a lot of good offensive talent. So yeah, mix it with the good defense and let's roll. Boom. Let's go. All right. That's Mike McDonald's going to be the head coach for the Seahawks. Now let's move on. Story number two. Like What's the one. second most clicked on this, my Northwest? Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, th- this is one's funny. I like, I'm enjoying this one. Mariners sign utility player who's married to Hollywood star. So this utility player, what's his name? Cole Tucker. Is he, does he, is he good? I, I honestly, it's been so many years since I have been a Mariners like regular fan. Yep. I just haven't watched them much in the right. last 20 years. So we don't know a heck of a lot about Cole Tucker. He was a first-round uh, draft pick back in the day, but he hasn't really panned out the way first a lot of first-round picks do. So, uh, so he hasn't been. He's has major league experience. He's played over the course of the last five years. He's played you know a handful of games, but sure. he is not. Uh, he has said he has not really excelled the way other first-round picks have. Well, so what he that's, de- what you know, he what he has though is he has a famous wife. He certainly does. So he's married to, drumroll please, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, who's uh, the, oh, yeah. fa- the the star of High School Musical, among other things. There you go. And yeah. High School Musical 2. And, and High School Musical 3. High School Musical 3 <laughs> and other things. Yes, that's correct. So she's a famous person. That's great. Yeah. We love our athletes to have famous we wives. Uh, we, You know, you look over at the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no bigger story no. in media that's right. than Taylor Swift yeah. hanging out with Travis Kelsey. Right. A lot of people from all sides of the spectrum are, are interested in what those two are up to and what they're not doing and how much they're being sh- how much she's being shown and how much he's being shown and all the rest of it well it's a lot so, going on so there. hopefully we can get some of that exciting press here right. with the mariners we need some famous uh we need some famous couples i think what you might see is you'll see uh, her appear in tacoma a lot because i have a feeling that mr tucker is going to be spending a lot of time with the tacoma tacoma rainier is the triple a team oh uh, you think that, so i believe so he was signed to a minor league contract in the that's the, the kind of the scuttlebutt with him is that he's going to be spending a little bit more time uh, in AAA than developing, be, and then hopefully making his yeah, yeah, approach making, to yeah, the Mariners. Making, exactly something along those lines. So um, yeah, that's I have a feeling that she'll be making some appearances down there at that stadium. All right, that's very exciting. I hope Cole Tucker does fantastic with the Tacoma Rainiers. Obviously, I want him to do well because then he gets to come up and play with the Mariners. And if he comes to play at the Mariners, and if Vanessa Hudgens. Hudgens is able to get the kind of press that Taylor Swift gets. Like she's probably not going to be able to get that level of press, but even like close to that level of press, it just puts a great spotlight on the Mariners. And we know how much Major League Sporting loves to see famous wives and girlfriends of these guys. I mean, Lord knows every single time Taylor Swift is at a Kansas City Chiefs game, the camera's on her. And uh, so we can get that same thing here at the Mariners. So that's, I think that's great news. Go Cole Porter. Tucker, go Cole Tucker. 
All right, so that's the number three and the number two stories on MyNorthwest.com. Steve's going to hang around with us, and when we come back after the break, we're going to tell you what the number one story is on MyNorthwest.com. And when I say this is number one, it's not just kind of number one. It dwarfs every single other story. And the reason I like this story so much, it restores my faith in humanity. There's no reason that anybody would click on this story unless everybody feels the way that I do, which is that we want government to get out of our lives. Leave us alone. Don't stifle us, government. All right, we got a lot more. We're going to be right back here at Kyra Nice. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. All right, we're talking with Steve Coogan. He is the lead editor at MyNorthwest.com. We are going over the top stories, the three stories that you guys have been the most interested to click on over there at MyNorthwest. We already did the first two, which was talking about the new Seahawks coach, and then we did one talking about the new guy hired or signed by the Mariners who has a famous girlfriend, Vanessa Hudgens, and now the number one story and I hear that this is the number one story by a country mile. That is correct. Let me get the headline. That is the headline number one. Buying tiger buying excuse me. Buying tires could become a lot harder. If it was buying tigers could become a lot harder. <laughs> I think that's a good be, thing. I mean, it should be hard already to buy yeah, a tiger. It should be right? hard to buy a tiger unless you're Mike Tyson. All right. So this story got a lot of play. We talked about this a lot tons, on my show. Tons, it got a yep. ton of reaction too from our listeners. Yep. Basically, what you have here is you have a uh, you have a Democratic um, legislator who has introduced a bill that would give the Washington State Department of Commerce that's right the ability to decide which tires were good for the environment. Essentially, yes. that's what it is. Right. So they would be able to ban tires that they don't think are good for high gas mileage uh, travel or like or so like it, basically it would work like this: heavier tires. You don't get as good a gas mileage in heavier tires. And so yep. what they want to find is the most fuel-efficient tire out there, and then they want to get rid of all the other tires that aren't as fuel-efficient for climate change. Right. The problem with this, though, is that you're taking away people's options. Sure. Uh, I believe in the article, and this is from Chris uh, Sullivan, That's right? correct, yes. So Chris Sullivan uh, found some audio from, I think it was, um, I think I remember her name, Liz, what's her name? Liz something. She is with Les Schwab. Liz something. Anyway, she's with Les Schwab, and she was saying, this is a bad idea because it takes away people's options. And then for the tire sellers out there, you think of your Les Schwab's, you think of your big O tires, you think of Costco sells tires, Walmart even sells tires. When people come in to buy tires, they want to be able to have that choice because there's all these different price ranges of tires. This could eliminate some of those cheaper tires. Right, so you'd be forced to buy something a little bit more expensive. So people have less options and... They have more expensive options, the ones that are left. And then beyond that, larger tread tires tend to last longer. And so right. when you're talking about tires with a lower tread, you're going to have to replace those tires faster. Right. So you're paying more money in the long run. More money right. in the long run. Right. They also talked to somebody, I think in your article, I think her name is Tracy Nyberg, and I believe she works with the U.S. Tire Manufacturers Association. Oh, that's a good memory. And she says... One of the downstream domino effects of requiring these tires to have lower treads is that they are going to have to be recycled faster. People are going to have to buy new tires quicker. Right. And then those old tires, they're just going to go out on a tire heap. So if your idea here is, legislator, I want to have somebody come in and fix climate change by having less tires, you're just creating bigger tire heaps. So it's like you're right. doing the opposite of what you're yeah. setting out to do. That's right. That's and the reason this is happening is because you have some board lawmaker 
who's just trying to come up with some reason to put forth this bill to fix climate change. Of course, it's going to do the opposite. I don't like when lawmakers inject their fingers into the uh, into the market. I think it's a bad idea. What's interesting, like you, you mentioned the Les Schwab representative who was mentioned, who's quoted in the article. She has an interesting quote. It's just the idea that it, she says it actually gives the Department of Commerce the authority to prohibit the sale of certain types of tires. So it's just like the government stepping in. Saying, yes. You know, it's, it's, you know, that's and that's the crux of this. You know, do you want the government to tell you which tires you can and can't buy? Is everything in government solved suddenly? Is there no other problems <laughs> that they have to solve? Right. Uh, the, now I, they're worrying you know, about the tires. And I yeah. understand like and people. Have texted in. They said, "Well, there's lots of regulations on things. There's regulations on the types of tires that people are already. You have to have the right tread size. That's true. You're not supposed to have really slick tires. And you know, right. people know that little trick they can do: take a quarter out there and just put a quarter into the tread of your tire. And if you can see the top of George Washington's head, uh, that or if you see the bottom of his head, I don't know exactly what it is. Right. But if you can see something about George Washington with the quarter, you guys can Google search it yourself. Then you probably need to go have your tires checked just to make sure that you have enough tread to safely." Uh, navigate the streets. Right, because yeah, you're right. I mean, having no tread is obviously, that's that, that's you don't want to be in that situation. You're, and you're, putting, you're putting other drivers in danger, et cetera, et cetera. But that's another thing that they talk about in this article. Right. The Tracy Nyberg lady, she says, that's another problem here. When you take away tires that have thick tread, and they're typically used on four-wheel drive vehicles, they're typically used on heavier work trucks, things like that. When you take away those tire options, what people are left with is a tire that's not safe. And they're going to end up being on the road in situations where you can start hydroplaning, which right. everybody knows that feeling of just like, oh my gosh, just, I'm losing that, control. You've lost control completely, yes. I, I really hated this. And I think there's a reason people clicked on this because there's like just this sense of injustice when the right. government steps in and says, I'm going to tell you what kind of tire you can buy. Yep. That's an overstep in my book. Mm-hmm. You may not agree with that, but I can say that because I'm a commentator. That's my job. Right. I think that's ridiculous. And this, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of this rep. It's uh, Representative Street, I believe is the is the uh, the name of this representative, pushing forth this bill, trying to take away your tire options. Right. This is a bad deal. And I hope this doesn't pass. And I hope they don't do this. And I hope they trust people to buy the tires that they want. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely someone who believes that climate change is an issue. It's a problem. It's something that we need to be. We all want the best for our environment. I'm not sure if we're if this is the best way to attack that problem. You know, I, that's so I I see your point. In yeah, that regard. Very interesting. Yes. All right. Well, uh, this has been a great joy always to talk <laughs> with you about the top stories on mynorthwest.com. Yes. I love that we get to do this every Friday. Yeah. You're also just it's a awesome. fun guy to hang out with. So that thanks is, for coming. On. That is really kind of you to say. Uh, thank you very much. And I. Had, if I had something funnier to say, I'd say it right now. But. All right. Well, you can tell that Steve Coogan is a really funny guy. He's like a really funny, impromptu guy. You should right. go and, yeah, should go and see him at his improv class. That's right. It's really great. I'll probably come up with something tomorrow that'll be really, really, really witty. You text it to me and we'll yeah. add it in. There you go. All right. Uh, that's Steve Coogan. He's the lead editor of My Northwest. Check out all his stories on My Northwest. And we got a lot more coming up on the show. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back here on Kyra Nights.